This is so exciting. Uh, I'm excited because I love preaching. I love being on vacation, but I also love preaching. So I get the best of both worlds. I get to, uh, to preach and be on vacation. And if you're wondering if now I got pressure on me about being a good preacher, Rob, so thanks for that. Um, I'll introduce myself, what kind of a preacher I am based on a story from my four-year-old Kenneth. So this is my family here, Christine, my wife of 10 years. We just celebrated our 10-year anniversary in June. Um, Kenneth is four years old, Genevieve is two years old, and Natalie is four months old. And so my four-year-old told me the other day when he was in the bath, he said, Dad, you preach like an old man. And I said, may I ask why it is that you would think that? Why would you say that? And he says, well, you use all these words that no one else understands. Okay, so hopefully I tried to do just a very few amount of words that you don't understand today. Um, But it's a joy to be here. I got to know Pastor Rob, as he said, at school. But I'll never forget the time when uh, we went for lunch at Johnny Rocco's, right around the corner from Niagara Worship Center. and And he shared the vision that he had for Promise Church. And a how long was that document? 14 pages? 26 pages? 36 pages, 127 pages, however big it was, a detailed document of the vision of what what he believed that God had uh, given him a vision for in Bradford. And I was just touched. And I just, uh, I want you to know that you've got a group of people in Niagara Niagara Falls that are praying for you. Um, What I did this morning is I actually pre-recorded the sermon that I'm going to preach today. And my church at uh, at home is listening to the same sermon. So you guys are going through Hebrews. And so I've involved our church in that. And so uh, it's so exciting to be here today. Uh, If you have your Bibles, if you did bring a Bible, you can open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 8. If you don't, you can uh, just watch on the screen. I will have the verses up on the screen. Um, And I've got to say that there's some boldness in the house for your pastor to pick the book of Hebrews to go through. This is a deep theological book. I thought that I was bold a couple years ago when I preached from the book of Acts. It took me about 40 weeks to work through the book of Acts, but at least, you know, Acts has stories and it has healings and miracles. Uh, The book of Hebrews is a deep theological book, and so there must be a bunch of scholars in the room. You can all pat yourself on the back for being here because this is some great stuff here. So I want to start off with a question. If you had a decision between taking something that was new or something that was old, which would you choose? It doesn't matter what it is. Pretend that you don't know what it is, right? If I was about to unveil something, would you rather pick something new or something that's old? Most people, there's some oddballs who will say old, right? But most people would say something new. I'm I'm probably going to pick something new because when things get old, when your car gets old, it starts getting expensive because of repairs. When anything gets old, even when people get old, no, I won't go there. (laughs) I shouldn't go there. I'll stick to my notes. We usually go for something that's new. And, uh, and what the author of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 8 is that there's something that's new that the Holy Spirit has given us through the person of Jesus Christ. And it's better than that which is old. Okay, so the focus this morning is that the new way that Jesus brought us is better. Hebrews chapter 8, I'm going to read verse 6 from the message translation. It reads like this, but Jesus's priestly work far surpasses what other priests do, since he's working from a far better 
plan. This is the the focus of Hebrews chapter 8 is that there's a new plan. There's a better plan that Jesus has for the people of God. It's a new way of doing things. And it might not sound new to you and me, but it's new sounding to the people who are first reading this sermon or this letter. Uh, God has a new plan for us, and it's a good plan. It's a good deal. Everybody in the room is happy when you get a good deal, right? Any bargain shoppers in the room? You excited when you get a, why are you pointing to other people in the room? Some of you are pointing at your spouses, right? Like, yeah. So when you get a good deal, it's exciting. God has given us a good deal. It is a better deal than anything that you've ever experienced. And here's the good news. It's available to every human being on planet earth. And I just want to let that sink in for a moment. The deal that God has offered you and me is not something that is exclusive for you and me. Did you know that there's more than the people at Promise Church for whom this is available for? Every person on planet Earth is able to drink in and receive the plan of God, and it's called a covenant with God Almighty. And that covenant is built upon promises, okay? So your, your church name is Promise Church. So this is going to be a significant chapter for you as a church family. So let's read through. I'm going to read the whole chapter here, Hebrews chapter 8, and this will be up on the screen if you don't have your own Bible in front of you there. Now the main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle, set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. And so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there is already priests who offer gifts prescribed by the law. They served at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is a mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, then no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. The author of the book of Hebrews, we don't know who it is. I know Pastor Rob's been joking. This the, it's Luke, which I love. I've been listening along online to, to Pastor Rob preach this series. I love that thought, by the way, that Luke could have written this book. Um, and so we don't know who wrote it, but we know that the focus is that there's something 
new. There's an old covenant and there's a new covenant. And if you if you grew up in church, if you grew up reading the Bible, this is familiar sounding to you. Um, but what I want to do is I want to describe the old covenant to you before I tell you why the new covenant's better. So let me try and put the old covenant in a nutshell for you. Some of you have been familiar with these words. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall make no idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Keep the Sabbath and make it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet. Show of hands if you've heard that before. Okay, some of you, some of you experienced that on your walls in public school. It wasn't that long ago where the Ten Commandments were on walls in a public school just, just like this. Now, it, the Old Covenant is more than just the Ten Commandments, but if I can give it to you in a nutshell, the Ten Commandments is a good starting point to understand the Old Covenant. And the Old Covenant was, these are the commands. This is what God's telling you. This is your end of the deal. So you know in a relationship, there's two ends of the deal, right? When a husband and wife stand up on their wedding day, uh, they're entering into a deal. It's a partnership. And, and there's, there's different ends that they say that they will keep. I will love you no matter what until death do us part. Okay, that's their terms of agreement. Anybody know when you log on to your Wi-Fi at a coffee shop, you have to agree to their terms of agreement? There's like a 72-page document. Who reads that? Does anybody read that? Nobody reads that. We just say, yep, we agree. There's terms of agreement. The old covenant terms of agreement are based upon the Ten Commandments. This is your end of the deal. And have you ever wondered what would happen if you didn't fulfill your end of the deal? In the Old Covenant, if you didn't fulfill your end of the deal, if you didn't follow all the Ten Commandments, well, let's get into that a little bit here. Deuteronomy 28 says this, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow, how many? All His commands that I give you today, the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth and all these blessings will come on you and accompany you. Some translations say overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. And many of you know this passage, right? This is the stuff that tattoos are made of, right? That's a joke, by the way. Nobody wants to laugh here. It's okay. I'm the new guy. I'll stop making jokes. You're blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed going in, blessed coming out. Anybody heard this passage before? These are like, these are the things that Christians want cross-stitched and hung up in their hallways, right? Like, yes, I am blessed everywhere that I go. Blessed will be your kneading bowl and your bread basket. And we don't even have those things anymore, but we're like, I want that, right? These are the blessings in the life of someone who obeys the commands of God. But I want you to notice the very first word in chapter 28, verse 1. So go back, go back to verse 1. What's that first word? What does that say? If, now we all kind of block out that word, don't we? That's called a condition. If, if you fully obey the Lord your God. Okay, that's a big qualifier. So now go to verse 15, two slides up. This is what it says in Deuteronomy 28, 15. However, okay, so this means this, means this isn't good. So turn to the person next to you and say you're in trouble. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees that I'm giving you today, then all of these curses 
are going to come upon you and they're going to overtake you. Now, this is the stuff that nobody cross-stitches and puts up in their, in their rooms, okay? Let me read a little bit more of this. This gets really ugly really quick. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and rebuke in everything that you put your hand to until you are destroyed and come to sudden ruin because of the evil that you have done in forsaking God. The Lord will plague you with disease until he has destroyed you from the land that you are about to possess. This is the Bible, folks. I'm not making this up. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease, with fever and inflammation, with scorching heat and drought, with blight and mildew, which will plague you until you die. Anybody have those verses highlighted in your Bible? I'm not making this up. You can read this yourself. This is in the Bible. This is how, I'm just trying to give you an appreciation for how the Old Testament worked. If you do not fully obey every commandment throughout all of Scripture, not just the ten, but all of them, then you only, not only do not qualify for the blessings of God, you qualify for something else. What's behind door number two? <laughs> Curses, sickness. It's like that list of all the side effects of potential medication that you could take, right, when they scroll through, you know, inflammation, fever, diarrhea. All of these curses come upon you. And I just want to remind you, in case you're not following along, that this is not how God interacts with us today. Everybody just say a good amen to that. This is not how God interacts with his people today. This is how the old covenant worked. If you do not fulfill every single commandment, then you will not receive the blessings of God. And so in the old covenant, this is what had to happen. They had to set up a sacrificial system. And in order to understand the book of Hebrews, you have to understand the sacrificial system. And this is how it worked. There was a priesthood put in place. And when, when the people sinned, the priest sacrificed. And when the people sinned, the priest sacrificed. And when the people sinned, the priest sacrificed. And so the priest would continually have to make sacrifices in order for you to be forgiven, in order for you to still have access to a relationship with God. The covenant that was in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, is a sacrificial system. The covenant that we have with God now is also a sacrificial system. But our sacrificial system that we have today is fulfilled in one person, and his name is Jesus. Well, that's good news, isn't it? See, we still have, some people think that the Old Testament, that the Old Covenant was the only time that there was a sacrificial system put in place. No, we still live in it with a sacrificial system today. It's called the cross. Jesus fulfilled the sacrificial system. And so the author of the book of Hebrews, let's call him Luke, he says this, the new covenant is far superior, far greater than the Old Covenant. The New Covenant that we have with God is far greater, it's far superior than the Old Covenant. This word that the ESV translation says, much more excellent. This is the Greek word, diaphorus, and this is what it means, different in the sense that it's better. So you say, Pastor Tim, how is it that the New Covenant is better than the Old Covenant? What is so what is so much different about the new covenant? It's different in the sense that it's better. It's the same. It's still a sacrificial system. There still needs to be something to deal with the sins of the people. Anyone in the room still sin? Let's just have a little confession of sin. Well, not confession, but you just raise your hand. You don't have to tell me about it later, right? You can set up a meeting with Pastor Rob and tell him your sins later. That's not my job. There still needs to be a sacrificial system. The sacrificial system that we have today is better because it's fulfilled 
in Jesus. So it's different in the sense that it's better. So, you know, as, as time goes along, sometimes things get better. We get advancements in our world today. We have better technology. So we've got, you know, better technology today that enables us to do things that are really impressive. Like, I'm just impressed at how closely you guys can put this projector to this screen. This is like a short throw projector or something really fancy. Like ours, we have to have like 40 feet back in order to get an image. So better technology, new advancements. As things go on, you can see that things are better as they go along. Uh, so I want to show you a picture, and this is kind of a bad example because maybe you might disagree with my point, but sometimes new is better. So I'm going to show you a picture of myself about 15 years ago. And you can just ignore the, the bulgy eyes. I don't know why I felt the need to bulge my eyes. I, don't, I didn't look like this all the time 15 years ago. But this was my hair. So everybody, you can see my hair. Now, I like to think that the new is better. You can disagree with me. I woke up yesterday morning and I just shaved my head. I, I found a verse. Pastor Rob, this is in the Bible. I found a verse. I was reading in Leviticus in my Bible reading. Leviticus 13. This has nothing to do with my sermon, by the way. Leviticus 13.40 says this, A man who has lost his hair and is bald is clean. Seriously. So, man, my hair was already a lot shorter than that, but I just, I went completely bald yesterday morning. So, I, I show this to say that the new can be better. Sometimes you enter into something new and it's better than the old. Okay, so that's a really bad example, but everybody gets my point, right? Okay, there we go. Everything that the new covenant has brought us is better. It's new and improved. And uh, not a lot of us like to deal with change. Some of us resist change. Anyone in the room resist change? Anybody like things just the way that they are and don't change things up and don't move things around? You know, like we moved, last summer we moved all of our seats around in our church auditorium. Instead of two columns, we moved it into three columns. And so people walked in and they were like, I don't like this. Where's my seat? I don't know where to sit. I can't handle this. Like it, it literally stressed people out. People's hearts started beating faster. So some of you are like that. You resist change, okay? So it's hard for us reading the book of Hebrews to appreciate just how radical of a change this was for people in the first century, for believers in the first century. To read this sermon, to hear this letter read in front of, of, of an assembled people like we are here today, and to hear there's a new way that God's going to have relationship with us. It's totally new. It's totally new and it's totally better. Here's what the author of the book of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 8. He says there's a problem with the first covenant. There was a problem with the first covenant. Now, was there actually a problem with the first covenant in and of itself? No. Did you know that the Ten Commandments are perfect? All of the scripture in the Old Testament, God set a perfect standard for obeying him. The author of the book of Hebrews says there is actually something wrong with the first covenant, but it wasn't that there was something wrong with God's end of the deal, it was that there was something wrong with us. The problem that Jesus and God found was that we're really bad at living up to our end of the deal. I mean, even if you haven't had much experience with really nasty people in life, how, just how well do you think the Israelites did in fulfilling all the Ten Commandments? Just how well do you think they did? Pretty, pretty bad, right? Like just on your limited interaction with people, you understand that we have a hard time fulfilling a, a, a perfectly established law. Uh, so here's what the author of the book Hebrew says, you're the problem. Okay, so turn to the person next to you and say, you're the problem. <laughs> and then you can tell yourself I'm the problem too. This, this was the problem that God encountered is that we are really bad at fulfilling our end of the deal. And I want to remind you the terms of conditions Deuteronomy 28, if 
you fully obey the Lord your God, if you do every single thing, then I tell you, you're going to live a blessed life. But if you miss one commandment, one commandment, God owes you nothing. And everything that comes your way is going to be curses and sickness and drought and suffering. Who wants to sign up? This is what this means. If you're 50% of the obedient, if you're 50% obedient, how much blessing do you get? What about if you're 75% obedient? 0% blessing. What if you're 99% obedient? 0% blessing. If you are 99.999% obedient to God and yet you miss it in one step, you qualify not just for no blessing, you qualify for 100% cursing. Jesus' half-brother James says this, James 2.10, the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's commands. I'm trying to go in-depth here, and I'm trying to paint you a picture, and I hope what's settling in your hearts and in your minds right now is just how much better of a deal we have it today than we did then. I know that nobody in this room was alive before Jesus Christ. So we've never gotten to experience the old covenant. I'm just trying to paint you a picture for how bad things were. Not because God was bad. Listen, God's laws are perfect. But because we're bad. And we messed up. And then here's what happened. Jesus came and changed everything. And if you've heard this message before, sometimes this just goes in one, in one ear and out the other. I want it to sink in. And this, this ought to radically change your life forever. Jesus came and he showed up 2,000 years ago and he changed everything. He fulfilled every law, every commandment, lived a perfect life, and he didn't do it for himself. He didn't do it to brag. He didn't do it to show off. He did it for you and me because we're so messed up and we're so foul and we make mistakes. Jesus came and he died for us. Hebrews seven twenty seven says this. Unlike the other high priests. Jesus does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. When Jesus sacrificed himself, when he offered himself up on the cross, he did it fulfilling every need for sacrifice because of your and my sin. There's no more need to go and get a a, a bull and a ram and a turtle dove and a partridge and a pear tree for the sacrificial system. We have in Jesus the perfect fulfillment of the sacrifice. There's no more need for sacrifice. Aren't you glad that after church today, we don't have to go out back and sacrifice a bull? Like that, like that was the sin. We had to do this because some blood needed to be shed in order to atone for the sins of the people. So the problem's not God, the problem's not the covenant. There's nothing wrong with the old covenant, nothing wrong with the Old Testament. There's something wrong with us. And Jesus came and he fulfilled it. And so here's the question. How is it that the new covenant, that this new deal that we have with God is better than the old? What, what exactly, what precisely is so much better about the new covenant than the old covenant? I'll tell you what it is. The new covenant is a fulfilled covenant. The new covenant is a fulfilled covenant. Jesus came and he allowed himself to be made a sacrifice 
thereby he became the fulfillment of every sacrifice needed necessary for every sin. And when you and I stepped into a relationship with God, we actually received a fully fulfilled covenant where God's end of the deal, he's always faithful. Did you know that God's always faithful? How many of you believe that God's always faithful? He's, he's just always good. He always lives up to his end of the deal. We got to enter into an agreement where not only God fulfills his end of the deal, but he fulfilled our end of the deal. Like that's actually what it means to be a follower of Jesus is to acknowledge that God fulfilled his end of the deal and Jesus fulfilled our end of the deal. Jesus fulfilled our behalf for us. It's built on better promises. So the new covenant that we have with God is built upon better promises. Name the church, promise church, right? Better promises. What kind of promises do we get? in this new covenant, in this new relationship with God. I want to re-read the last few verses, chapters, uh, verse 10 through 12. Say this, Hebrews 8, 10. This is the covenant that I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds. I'll write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I'll forgive their wickedness, and I'll remember their sins no more. Under the new covenant, we get to follow God, and we don't have to explain to others, says we won't have to explain to our neighbor what it means to know God, because you can actually know God for yourself. You don't actually need, now you benefit from coming alongside other believers. You benefit from coming to church, right? You benefit from sitting under Pastor Rob's teaching. You benefit from those things, but you don't need it in order to have a relationship with God. Radically different approach to knowing God Almighty. You don't need a tabernacle. You don't need a sanctuary. You can have a gymnasium at Chris Hadfield Public School. I mean, this is just us sitting in this place is a manifestation of the new covenant that we have with God, that, that we can meet with God in a place, I mean, this is, not, this is not a God-centered place. This is a public education school. But we can meet with God here. Is that not exciting? You can meet with God in your car. Isn't that exciting? You can meet with God in the bathroom. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> well, for some of you, maybe you don't think that's too exciting. But it's pretty cool. Wherever you are, wherever you go, you can meet with God. All of that is a manifestation of this new covenant that we have with God. I want to read you again these four declarations that the Lord gives. Four statements I will put my law on their minds and hearts. I will be their God. They shall be my people. I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. So here's my question to you. Which one of those is your job to fulfill? How many of those is on your shoulders? Zero. No, there's not one part of this declaration that you have a responsibility for carrying out. Here's how things change from the Old Covenant to the New Testament, from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Here's how things change. Jesus fulfills your end of the deal. Jesus fulfills your terms of agreement. Your responsibility is nothing here. All of this is on God. God says, this is just what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to be the one to be able to do all these things in your life. The Lord says, I will, I will, I will, I will. 
And I know that many of you are sitting here scratching your heads going, but there's got to be something that I have to do, right? Like I probably should, I ha- probably have to go to church and I probably have to tithe and I probably have to witness to my neighbor and I probably have to, you know, be a part of different things and, and sharing my faith. And there's got to be something that I have to do. I should probably read my Bible, right? Like how long do I have to read my Bible every day for God to accept me? Like five minutes, 10 minutes, one hour? All these questions start going through our head. We think there's got to be something that I have to do. And what I want to emphasize to you and bless you with today is the awareness that you do not have to do anything to fulfill the covenant with God. Jesus, let me summarize it like this. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. My sin has left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Now you either believe that or you don't. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the gospel. Jesus fulfilled it. He actually took your place. Now, for you practical people, any practical people in the room? Anyone who just really, I like, I need an application point. What do I got to do with this, Pastor Tim? It's very encouraging. Thank you very much for telling me that I'm good with God. But I got to do something. There's got to be something that I can do. There, there is one thing. Believe that. Your end of the deal in, in being able to have a relationship with God is to believe. What it means to become a child of God is to put your faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, to be able to say, I believe that through Jesus Christ, God's going to put his law in my heart and in my mind. I don't need a list of rules. I don't need a, I don't need a, a list of spiritual disciplines. Like I've got to read my Bible for 15 minutes a day, pray for 15 minutes a day, attend church every week, tithe. Like there's no list of I have to do these things or, or I'm not getting into heaven. I believe that through Jesus, God's going to write his law on my heart and mind, which means I'm actually going to have a sense of knowing what's right and wrong, and I'm going to want to live a holy life. Like, I actually want to do good. I'm going to believe that, that God is going to be my God, and I'm going to be his people, and I'm going to belong to him, and there's nothing that I can do that can force God to stop loving me. I'm going to believe that God is going to forgive me when I'm wicked. Anyone in the room ever been wicked before? Anyone been wicked this morning? everybody's hands just shot down real quick, right? Anyone's spouse been really wicked this morning? No, don't raise your hands to that. Don't do that. That's not nice. You have to believe that God will forgive your wickedness, and you have to believe that he will actually remember your sins no more. Now, I think number four is the hardest thing for everyone in the room and every believer on planet Earth to believe, to believe that God actually intentionally chooses to not remember your sins. Because we all have this idea that at the end, the end of our lives, we're going to go and we're going to sit before God and there's going to be this video that's played of our life. Anybody ever heard of this before? You've seen this before, dramatized? There's going to be a movie of your life because God's filming you right now. Did you know that? <laughs> we have this idea that there's going to be this movie played of our life, whereas the scriptures actually say that you will give an account of your life. It doesn't say that God will give an account of your life. You will give an account of your life. God actually chooses to forget your sins, not because God suffers with, you know, bad memory. He chooses to forget your sins. He chooses when he says, I forgive you, to actually forgive and forget your sins. So what's our role? What's our job? I'll give it to you in one word. Believe. Believe that Jesus died for you. And you get to have a relationship with God Almighty. Put your faith that when you confess your sins to God, not just at the point of salvation, but along the way to say, God, wow, I really lost my temper with my kids. I really, I really lost, I really missed it here. I really, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with anger. I'm struggling with pride. I'm struggling with hatred. When you believe that when you confess your sins to God, when he says, I forgive you, that he actually forgets them. That he actually forgets that you ever sinned in the first place. And so, 
With that, let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you for your love for us today. I thank you for your love for Promise Church. And I pray, God, that you would continue by your spirit and through great leadership in this house to lead this church with excellence and to love the people of Bradford and then the surrounding community with the love of Jesus. I pray, Father, that there would be a great turnaround in this community where people who are far from you will come to know you and see how good and great you are. I pray that the people who already do love you and know you in this church and in this community will be set on fire with a greater hunger and a zeal for you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I got a question here that's going to come up. Somebody, I forgot to say, if, I think you already know, this is your church, not mine, that you can text in questions. So why would Israel enter into an old covenant that was impossible to keep? So great question, by the way. So God initiated a covenant with the people of God through Abraham. The reason why Israel... Is, is the nation that God was in relationship with was not because God is racist. Okay, so some people think this, right? Like, how could, how could a loving God choose a people? And Because really, he excludes all others, doesn't he? When God tells the, the Israelites to go into communities and to, and to take over their land and to kill the people there, you think, well, that's not, how is that a loving God? We need to remember that the reason why Israel is in relationship with God is because of Abraham. He entered into a relationship with Abraham, and he made a covenant with Abraham. So the people of Israel didn't actually have a, have a, a part. It's not like they had a congregational meeting where they got to vote whether or not they accepted the covenant. The covenant was God appeared to Abraham, and you can read about it in Genesis chapter 12. Um, you can read about that. There's some homework for you. Genesis chapter 12, God entered into a covenant with Abraham and the people of Israel were along for the ride. So they didn't really get to choose. But really the end of the, the crux of the question was, you know, why would they choose it if they couldn't end up fulfilling it? Um, I would suggest that they probably didn't know that they couldn't fulfill it because I think all of us um, struggle with this thing called pride. And it's, it's, it's at the center of every single sin is pride. The very first sin in, in all of, of history is pride, and that was through Satan himself. So I think that honestly, um, Israelites probably thought we could do this. We could figure this out, and, uh, and we can't because we all need Jesus. Amen? If you could stand to your feet, and we're going to sing together, but before we do, I'm just going to read uh, um, a benediction from the book of Hebrews as a blessing to you before we sing together. Hebrews 13, 20, and 21 say this, Now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. May he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And let's say this together. Amen.